much like a cookie. I predict the Yankee dynasty will crumble. And the results will be delicious for Red Sox fans. Good morning and welcome to episode 315 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. Uh, Jonah Carey starts all of his podcasts with lots to talk about. Mm. Which we have never we've never done because I don't I don't know that either of us is ever confident that we have lots to talk about, uh, but I feel like maybe we have lots to talk about. Do you remember when we had a a little bit of a what was it that we we were somebody want somebody wanted us to sell the show like oh something it had something to do with saying we've got a great show ahead of us oh yes uh-huh. yeah right same idea we hope we hope it'll be a, a great show. Uh-huh. Uh, but well, we don't you know. know I, one thing I've uh, I, one thing I've learned is that some podcasts actually record the podcast and then go back and do the intro, uh-huh. so they uh, can say we have a, a mediocre show for you today. Because... Well, I don't know. I don't know if they would, I, and I, I'm not saying that's what Jonah does, but um, sometimes people are able to uh, to forecast the show with a little more accuracy than 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 they they might otherwise. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we're talking about Game 2. We both just watched Game 2 and presumably have some things to discuss about it. Can I tell you my single favorite thing about Game 2, I guess? Yes. Um, I, one of the reporters who was talking to John Farrell after the game uh-huh. um, asked the most reporter question ever. It, it's just such a great... So... Uh, I'm just going to recreate it. He he said, John, talk about going to St. Louis now with the series even 1-1. <laughs> what did he say? Did he describe how they, they get on the plane and they, they fly for a few hours and then they arrive there? He he just he talked about something completely different. He just start he just started talking about how, you know, the players are feeling good about you know the way they performed in game one, and then game two they had to work on some things. Or I don't remember specifically, but there was no attempt at all to to, to address yeah. the non-question. Put put some effort into, into your question. <laughs> yeah. I know that you have to. You, you know, everyone. If you're writing a game story for a you know a, a typical outlet, uh, you kind of have to have those filler quotes about how people feel about how the series is going or whatever, and. There's pre- I mean, there's no upside there, really. Uh, I mean, you could, unless someone like comes out and guarantees victory or says like we have no shot to win or something. Like, there's not, there's not much upside there. But still, frame a question. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the talk about way of framing a question. Um, you know, you're you're leaving it a little open ended. You, it's not really a place where you're ever gonna like trick the guy into saying something he doesn't want to say anyway. So you're basically just winding him up and letting him go. But that this wasn't even a topic. There was not even any topic. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Well, do you have? A I mean, topic? If, it, if it had been, if it had been, if they'd been down two nothing, mm. I could see it being like you're, you know, you're basically asking like, hey, you know, how do you keep your your guys from getting too down or whatever? But like. This is basically the most expected thing. Like, John, talk about how nothing. There's been no. There's been no change in the basic understanding of the universe. Right. Talk about how it's just all basically the same. Yes. <laughs> talk about how the team that wins four games first will win this series, and we've played yeah. two. <laughs> uh, John, t- tell me what air tastes like. John. <laughs> 
so we can do better than that, I hope. Uh, did you want to start anywhere in particular? Um, so do you think that the Red Sox are dumb? Not dumb, but <laughs> I guess, well, okay, so we talked about the, you know, the Freddie Guzman thing, right? With, yeah. With the, the, um, the, you missed it, the Rays, you know, signed this Mexican League veteran who had no baseball skills, but could run, and they sort of stashed him, they signed him just before the September 1st deadline, and um, stashed him at, like, their, their, their complex, and then you know, brought him up in September in case they needed a, a runner. And that's kind of common. And Quinton Berry is that for the Red Sox. They traded for him in late August. Uh, so teams do that, right? They have this designated runner um, that they sign late in the year. But I'm wondering whether we're going to start seeing the loophole used. And they, those guys, Berry and, and if Guzman had been on, uh, Guzman also, get on the roster by that, the loophole, right? Where, like, you put somebody who's injured yeah. on the roster and then you just immediately swap them out. So, like, Quinton Berry probably replaced like Andrew Bailey or, or something like that, somebody who was on the 60-day deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if it's, if we're going to start seeing the loophole used um, regularly to just bring up all of the prospects in a team's system and having them be the relief, the, the bullpen. Because I'm wondering, like, why don't the Red Sox have Alan Webster in their bullpen and Henry Owens in their bullpen and Matt Barnes in their bullpen right now? I mean, why don't you think that those guys could dominate in on inning uh, in the majors right now, immediately, just like you know, the Cardinals are getting out of Carlos Martinez. Uh, maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wasn't so sure that that Carlos Martinez was going to dominate. Um, I mean, he right. He wasn't. He wasn't all that. He wasn't all that great in the regular season. Although right. he was better. He, he he was better than it looks. Uh, he like if you eliminate his one start. Uh, he still has a fairly high ERA, but he has like 24 strikeouts and six walks yeah. uh, as a reliever. So he was very, he was very good. Um, well, and no home runs. So uh, like a super good fit. Uh, who would you? I mean, who would you? Would you rather have one of those guys in than like Craig Breslow or something? Or is there is there someone that you think should not be getting innings? Who is getting innings instead of those guys? Or well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, to some degree I come from, you know, maybe, maybe it looks dumb if I say, yes, I'd rather have them than Breslow because, you know, Breslow had a fantastic season. But yeah, I think, I, I think I would. I think I'd, pro- I mean, if I'm, a, if I'm, if they're as good as I'm imagining they would be, I mean, they are clearly better pitchers than Craig Breslow, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they, they, they just are, right? And they're not, they're not advanced enough to start in the majors. And if they came up and pitched in the majors, they might be Michael Walker right away, or they might be, um, you know, Zach Wheeler or something and, and have to adjust, or they might just be disasters or they might have Tommy John surgery after their second start. There's all sorts of reasons why those guys aren't ready for the majors, but I suspect every single one of them is ready to, to face two guys and throw 99, seven times, uh, you know, in October for, you know, like, like five times in October. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I just wonder whether, I mean, I, I guess you have to invest some money in your bullpen to get to the postseason, but I just wonder whether, like, instead of even really going the scrap heap route of building a bullpen, whether it might just be easier to just kind of scrape together whatever you can to make it to October and then just call up all of your your top prospects and say, here's the ball, throw 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I mean, they've given Workman a chance to do that, I guess, right? He's 
he's a person that they've done that with? Uh, they have done that. What I don't, I, I guess I, I don't know that much about like what Workman is as a prospect. What is yeah, Workman I mean, as a I don't, prospect? I don't think he's quite the same caliber as those guys, but he's he's a a minor league starter who's been put in the bullpen for kind of the, the stretch run sort of thing. I, it's the same same template, I guess. Um, so I don't know. And he's, uh, and he's, and he's been good. Yeah, he's been good. Um, so sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a long history of, of teams bringing up prospects who they hope to hope will start someday. And you start them out in the bullpen down the stretch or in the playoffs. And then eventually you transition them or you fall in love with them there and you leave them there like Trevor Rosenthal or, or someone like that. Um, yeah. And maybe that'll happen to Martinez too. Uh, so yeah. Maybe, although it didn't happen to you know, it didn't happen Wainwright, to Shelby Miller or Wainwright or yeah, or Wainwright. Yeah. Or Dan Dan Heron, right? Didn't the Cardinals do this with Dan Heron? Uh, I don't remember. I, he might not have been. Uh, I think I, um, I think I've always confused Heron and Wainwright's early years. Mm-hmm. Like in my head, they've become the same early years. So yeah, I think I'm wrong about Heron. Mm-hmm. Um, nope, I'm not. He did relieve some in 2004. Two, two, 2004, yes. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, like he relieved a lot, like four and two thirds in the World Series. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so sure. I mean, it's not like the Red Sox don't have anyone who who is reliable. And the, I mean, you know, they have they have Uehara and they have Tazawa and all these people. Like, if if the Cardinals didn't have those guys, they would. I mean that's their whole bullpen. They'd they'd be pitching like John Axford. Um, they'd be they'd be closing with John Axford if they didn't give those guys a shot. I'd, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe possibly they left some innings on the table there. I don't know. There could be some sort of developmental thing where they don't think a guy has the mentality for that for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the unpredictability factor, and if it goes wrong, then you have to answer questions that you wouldn't otherwise have to answer. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not so much saying like with the Red Sox that I mean you know they they have a good enough bullpen probably but um, I I more just wonder whether like in five years every team is going to just empty their farm system for the postseason because mm-hmm. because you have or, I mean, I mean it's September right and you would you would you might as well try it in September yeah you might as well I guess yeah. Sure. I mean, you could practice. You give them a little practice, but yeah, yeah. It just seems to me that you have. It's probably the case that a top hundred prospect who's starting in Double or Triple A is better than a major league reliever, even a good major league reliever, like right now. Yeah. It's probably that. It's probably the case. Yeah, you could make that case. Sure. Um, okay. okay. Was that prompted by anything in particular in this game, or just just a general observation? Just a general observation. Okay. Um, Anything about this game in particular that you want to get? I to? think it was. I think it was actually prompted by uh, remembering the conversation we had about whether teams should basically uh, be bringing their prospects up to relieve for two years. Uh, like, if basically anytime you have a prospect who's healthy, mm-hmm. because you his arm is you know it's ticking. Yeah. And so then I, that's I started thinking, rethinking about that conversation uh, in regards to Carlos Martinez, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's what led me to it. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, so there are a few uh, tactical moves we can talk about. I guess we got a, a question about 
a pinch running decision. We can talk about the the uh, Matheny Ortiz Nachote decision. Was there anything that you want to start with? Um, no, you can <laughs> you can you can start. Okay, uh, so I'll just read this this question then that we got from Peter in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, he says in the NLCS, Don Mattingly pinch ran D Gordon for Adrian Gonzalez when he was on first base, and the move backfired. The Gordon uh, Gordon was immediately erased on the front end of a double play. In Game Two of the World Series, David Freeze singled with one out. Matheny did not pinch run, but after Freeze advanced to second on a single, Matheny removed him for a pinch runner, Pete Cosma. Cosma stole third and scored on a fairly shallow sack fly. Matheny looks like a genius. Is it better to wait for a base runner to reach second base before considering a pinch runner? The pinch runner is much less likely to be erased out of horseplay. Or if you're going to pinch run anyway, why wait until the runner gets to second? If D. Gordon had advanced from first to third on a single and scored on a sack fly, would Mattingly's move have looked better? Or is it better to not pinch run at all? In the eighth inning of game two, David Ortiz singled. He was the tying run, and Farrell did not pinch run for him. Um, so we've talked about pinch running before and and I explained uh, how I'm generally against it or, or think it's probably an overused strategy and in my write-up of that that Mattingly game I did criticize him for making the move and I think it's it's different uh, from from the Matheny Cosma move in a few ways I mean for for one thing the Dodgers were were tied already in that game whereas the the Cardinals were down by a run at the time and and that one run was was very important. Um, the other thing is that there's a very big gap between Adrian Gonzalez and Michael Young, who was his replacement, both offensively and defensively. And we didn't know at the time that Michael Young would get two more at bats in that game and and hit into double plays both times. But it was a tie game, and there was a, a decent chance that it would go to extra innings and that Gonzalez's spot would come up at least one more time. And I feel like if you if you look at the stats, I was talking to Russell about this uh, just a little while ago, and he was saying that um, there is obviously a, a short-term increase if you in your odds of scoring that first run when you put the pinch runner in, but that generally you give that back in the next plate appearance. And if it goes to two plate appearances beyond that, then you're really giving a lot back and the move uh, is really counterproductive and you have to factor in the odds that those lineup spots are going to come up again. So in this case, not nearly the gap that there is from, from Gonzalez to young, you're talking about taking out freeze and then putting in Cosma who then makes your, I mean, first of all, freeze is, is not the hitter that Gonzalez is. Um, and then you're improving your defense too, because you're you're. I guess they moved Descalso to third and put Cosma at short, and uh, he's a good defender despite how he looked in game one. So, so that's not a not a huge difference, really. It's it's also though worth pointing out that the the difference between D Gordon and Adrian Gonzalez as runners, it might it might it, I I'm actually not sure that it's an exaggeration to say it might literally be the biggest. Uh, running gap between any two teammates in baseball. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a big gap. Uh, it, it, so uh, and much much bigger than Cosma and 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 yes, Freeze. That's I would true. Say. I mean, Cosma. I think what did Cosma have? Three steals this year. I mean, in 400 plate appearances. Uh-huh. So 
it's not. I mean, Cosmo moves better, but yeah, he's not. You know, he's not. You like you could imagine pinch running for Cosmo if you had D Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Well, the other thing is that Gordon didn't go. Um, so if you're if you're putting him in not to steal, and yep. it, and it's possible that but, he had the steal <laughs> sign and he just didn't didn't yeah. go. Uh, I'm sure he had the steal signing. He, you know, you don't want to run into that. I mean, it's it's also uh, it's also worth noting that Cosmo was very nearly picked off. Uh, yeah, right. He he got a bad jump, or he wasn't happy with his jump, and then he went back, and then he stole a few pitches later. Um, right. He left. He left before the pitcher had moved. I mean, he yes. he took off running <laughs> before the pitcher had, had gone. I mean, he he should have been picked off. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so so the fact that that Gordon didn't go in that go, in that game got Mattingly some extra criticism because everyone was like, well, why are you why are you putting in D Gordon if he's not gonna go? Because then at that point you're not you're not really making use of the the speed difference between him and and Gonzalez. Like if there's a, a ground ball, which there was, then probably both of them are gonna be forced out at second despite the speed difference. But I don't know. I mean, it might have just been that that Gordon didn't go because he didn't get a good read on the pitcher or, or whatever. And uh, I guess that's something that you factor in as a manager, whether a, a guy is is good enough to, to steal and get a good read off anyone. But um, anyway, the the fact that, that uh, Matheny put Cosma in only after Freeze got to second, I don't, I don't know that that makes it any better. I would, I think you could probably make a case that if he was going to do it, he should have, just done it when Freeze got on. Do you think that's the case? Uh, I don't. I think this is. I think pinch runners are. There's so many variables that mm-hmm. it's it's virtually impossible to do the math. I mean, it, 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 you don't know what Matheny's plan was for him. I mean, it, to some degree, uh, once he gets to second and Jay is on first, if Matheny is thinking of sending him, well. To some degree, if, if he's on first and Matheny sends him, he picks up one base. If he's on second and Matheny sends him, he picks up two bases because he knows the trailing runner is going to go too. Mm-hmm. So even though you know it might be more likely he gets caught at third, or and even though you you know you lose that opportunity to have a better runner in case there's a ball in the gap at some point um, or whatever, uh, you know he does get sort of, he he kind of gets twice the benefit of a stolen base mm-hmm. uh, having a faster lead runner. So I mean you don't. Without knowing Matheny's intention there, it's hard to say. Without knowing Matheny's intention with the previous batter, it's hard to say. Um, and, of course, there's like a, a million variables when you try to actually game out the value of, you know, the, the, the players. So mm-hmm. very hard to say. I wonder if there's a pinch run penalty. Like you kind of – you'd think there would be. I, I would think that someone has done this research at some point, but I don't remember ever seeing it. If there's a – if there's a pinch hit penalty where a hitter who comes off the bench is expected to do less well than he would if he was in the starting lineup, I wonder whether the same thing applies to pinch runners and that the guy is maybe not quite as warm or stretched out, although maybe he's also less fatigued or fresher. Um, and then there's also the fact that if you put in a pinch runner, I feel like the the defensive team is probably more vigilant or you know has a better inkling that that guy might go. Because if you're putting him in, you you might be putting him in to send him, and so maybe they're they're more prepared. They're throwing pitches that are better tailored to the catcher getting a good throw or something. I I don't know. It seems like uh, 
that could be something. If there's anything to that, then it would make pinch running an even worse move. Um, if- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the the other thing is that makes I guess calculate is that um, the gap between say the gap between Cosma and Freeze, um, you know, it it varies based on what task you're looking to do. I, this is going to be hard for me to explain, but like there's a there's probably um, you know the, the 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 range of performance that base runners have, say scoring from second uh, on a single, is different than the range that yeah. base runners have going first to third mm-hmm. on a single. And you know the the variation in how many runners will get to second on a wild pitch is going to be different than get to third on a wild pitch or score on a wild pitch. Mm-hmm. So they're all slightly different, and I don't actually know what which favors the faster runner more. Mm-hmm. But like, kind of in my head, I mean, I'm thinking about the situation. There's a runner on first with one out. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways where speed is going gonna, is gonna to matter. But, like, say there's a double that maybe a fast runner scores and a slow runner only gets to third. There's not a huge difference mm-hmm. in... Is you're still likely to score that run. Uh, say there's a single to left. Well, then there's virtually no difference whether you're fast or slow. You're only going to get the second either way. If there's a single to right, there's probably not a huge difference. I would think that in most singles to right, uh, the runner gets to third regardless. But in this case, he didn't. In this case, there was a single to right, and Freeze didn't get to third, and maybe Cosmo would have. So mm-hmm. you could very easily see where it hurt them in that specific case. But there are lots of balls where... There's no difference between Freeze and Cosma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a fly ball to center field doesn't matter. Um, you know, a wild pitch probably doesn't matter. Probably a wild pitch is going to get either runner to second in most cases. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's it's hard to exactly say. Yeah, this is the sort of thing that, that Mitchell Lichman could write 5,000 words about. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, the other... The other debatable tactical move or one of the others was was Matheny's decision to leave Carlos Martinez in to face David Ortiz with two outs and a runner on first um in the eighth and and to leave walk in to face uh yeah you talked about that too um so I don't know if anyone asked him about about leaving him in to face Waka or leaving Waka in to face Ortiz uh, Zachary Levine sent us some some post game audio. Matheny explaining why he left Rosenthal in, and basically it was it was what you'd expect that he thought he looked good, the ball was coming out of his hand well, uh, and it was a tough decision. But he just just didn't make the move. Um, you said leave Rosenthal in. You meant either oh, leave sorry, Martinez, leave Martinez in, or... in to yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. I'm not going to say that there's no way that a, that a manager can discern whether a pitcher is is on that day or whether he, you know, I don't know. He certainly did look good. He had just struck out a couple guys. Um, and statistically, I don't know whether that is predictive at all. Probably not. But, you know, maybe a guy who knows him well is looking at him and saying, oh, he's locked in right now. Maybe. Um, but even so, I would I would not have left him in there. I don't think. Uh, not just because Chode is on the roster, and that's what you do with Randy Chode, and it's the expected thing. But 
Chode is, is really good against lefties, and uh, Martinez probably not <laughs> so good against lefties as, as, as the specialist, as a, as a guy who throws a slider and probably has a platoon split and everything. I, I would not have wanted that matchup, especially because it's, uh, you know, it's two outs in the eighth, and if 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 Choate doesn't get Ortiz, then you can just bring Rosenthal in at that point for a, a four-out save. And, and Matheny said something about preferring not to do that uh, and preferring to just start him in the eighth. But I don't know. We've talked about the, the four-out oh. save, and you've been, you've yeah, been keeping I've, track of I've the four-out save. I've got a count going. I need, yeah. I need one from Rosenthal. It, it, <laughs> Not only do I need the uh, the extra the one, but I, I need a fourth closer to have done it so that it's not just Uehara dominating the list. I, I need to show broad <laughs> movement toward this. So yeah. I need one four out save. I wonder what. Well, I guess this is not. It, I wonder. I wonder whether he was just like, geez, should I bring Chote in? And then he's like, wait, maybe I should bring Rosenthal in. And he couldn't decide between Chote and Rosenthal. <laughs> And then it was too late. <laughs> I mean, he was staring very intently, like he yes. was thinking in his head, Choate or Rosenthal. I mean, that was a ch- that's that's the classic Choate or Rosenthal face. <laughs> uh, Rosenthal did pitch two innings in an in L- LCS game one, it, the ninth and the tenth. So well, he he did it. If I'm not mistaken, he did it a lot this year before yeah. he became the closer. Yeah, I think I I counted up how many times in my recap of that game. So. Uh, he wasn't saying that he would never do it or that he can't do it, but he just sort of preferred not to do it if he didn't have to and he was comfortable with Martinez. Um, I would not have been as comfortable with Martinez. Would you have? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I would I would. But, um, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't have. I, I'm surprised he left him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um. Uh, well, just real quick, going back to the Cosma thing. Mm. Uh, sorry, I should have brought this up when we were talking about it. But the that was in a lot of ways that was such a bizarre stolen base. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I like I said, Cosma's not a particularly fast guy. He had given away the plan already. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like there was like he'd already tried to steal, and they still put it back on. And so then I thought, like maybe Breslow is just really terrible at at holding runners on, but he's not. In his career, Breslow's uh, got a 50% caught stealing rate when runners try to go against him, and in situations where there's a runner on second trying to steal third, I think they've tried it on him five times in his career and been caught three, and so, uh, like, it's not a reputation thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's so weird. I mean, that was so weird, right? Like, it, I guess I guess that actually goes back to the question. I mean, if it like it, if why did Matheny not bring in Cosma for freeze? If you're gonna be that aggressive, then yeah, it seems like he's already you know he at that point he he's already thinking about being super aggressive to try to scratch out this this one run. So then yeah, you would think you'd put in your pinch runner immediately if you're aggressive enough to do it off Breslow with a non-base stealer mm-hmm. in this situation. Um, then, yeah, you'd think you'd be aggressive enough to put in your pinch runner right away. Uh, but yeah, that was that was like a completely um, uh, well, I don't know how to. Uh, it was gutsy. It was gutsy. <laughs> gutsy sounds gutsy sounds too positive. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. <laughs> it was a crazy, insane move. He uh, 
it wasn't when did he actually what was the count when he actually stole it it was like a full count by then wasn't it or i think it was two 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 mm. yeah it took a while um okay uh so the I, I guess the the johnny gomes spell is probably broken at this point now that his his postseason winning streak is broken mm-hmm. uh and given that he went over four again i think Farrell had already said he was planning to start Nava in Game 3 because of the, the bigger outfield in St. Louis. Um, but I, I wonder now whether, depending on what Nava does in St. Louis, I wonder whether Gomes would even play when when the series comes back to Boston. Because um, that, that, that move didn't look so great today. I like hearing people talk about the Ortiz-Napoli decision and saying, like, you know, maybe... Ortiz will start two games and Napoli one or something like that because I can't figure out the logic of that. Like, it's, like <laughs> it's the same. It's basically the same scenario all three times. It's you, just so you, one of them you, doesn't feel bad or, or something. I right, like that's the only reason I could think to do it. Mm-hmm. It seems odd. Now, like I guess I could envision a situation where like maybe the bullpen, the Cardinals bullpen, gets taxed so badly that. You know, you're you're envisioning that some relievers might not be available, and that might change which one has more value to you in a in a late inning pinch hitting uh, opportunity. But like otherwise, it's the exact same question three times in a row. The only wrong answer is ambivalence and flip floppery. Mm-hmm. You should uh, you should summarize the research that you did for the for the recap of game one that you wrote from the Red Sox perspective because it's uh, something that can't people just it's, can't people just read it people should read it they should go read it but uh, yeah, it's something we brought up on the podcast when we had Zachary on and it's still still relevant remind me I don't remember what I wrote about <laughs> you you wrote about uh, the Red Sox versus control pitchers that's right yeah so I looked at whether the Red Sox actually do better against control pitchers or the other way around if control pitchers do better against the Red Sox because they neutralize a big part of their 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 uh, their offense and in fact it's a it's a huge difference looking at pitchers who are in the top 75 in baseball uh, in zone rating which is to say pitches are in the zone uh, so not strike not strike uh, strike frequency but actually in the strike zone. Um, if you look at those 75 pitchers, they essentially turn the Red Sox into a league average offense. And the Red Sox are much better than a league average offense. And when you add in their ballpark, they score even more. They score 20, 20-some percent more than the average team. But when you have uh, people who are pounding the zone, they drop all the way down to league average, uh, both in runs scored and peripheral stuffs. Um, whereas on the pitchers who nibble or who are effectively wild mm. uh, and live outside the zone, uh, the Red Sox are actually uh, even better than you would expect. Um, they score like something like roughly 25% more runs than the average uh, team does against those pitchers. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's totally legit. But then Wainwright, as we talked about uh, with Zachary, was it even with Zachary? No, Wainwright was yesterday, right? Wainwright was yesterday, yeah. Uh, yeah, so as we talked about yesterday, Wainwright is not actually a guy who pounds the strike zone. He's close, somewhat close to, to, the, to the median, mm-hmm. in fact. And he gets a, a huge—where he rises to the top is in getting swinging strikes uh, on pitches that are outside the strike zone. 
And so, in fact, um, he uh, for all the, the, the talk that uh, we heard about how the Red Sox would have to change their plan against Wainwright, in fact, Wainwright is specifically the kind of pitcher who the Red Sox attack is geared to hit, to, mm-hmm. to beat. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's why this works, is when you have a pitcher who's trying to get you to chase and you don't chase, then you're neutralized best weapon so it actually works out to be decent now i mean we're talking about small differences well kind of i guess not really for uh if, if a team actually went up against the the red sox with four guys who were in the top 50 in strike zone rate um we actually would have to change what we think about the red sox offense yeah i, I think and where but does... they don't the cardinals don't the cardinals are basically the cardinals rotation has a wild guy a control guy and two guys in the middle yeah, so I was going to ask you where Waka fell on that spectrum. I believe Waka is the wild one. Uh huh. I believe. So that's not good for him. Uh, that's right. Exactly. They uh, the Red Sox are uh, as good against him, or even a little better than you would expect. Um, and they did draw a bunch yeah, of walks. They just they, they just couldn't hit him. Made him work. Yeah, uh, 114 pitches and four walks. Um. So yeah, that that sort of played out there. Um, uh, Waka is actually Waka is about average. Uh, uh-huh. Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly is the wild ah, one. Okay, so that will be game three. Um, mm-hmm. All right, is there? We still haven't gotten to see uh, an Ellsbury steal attempt. I keep looking forward to to seeing that. Um, Me too. But, I'm looking forward to an extended opportunity uh, more than an attempt. Yeah, he keeps getting well, on base, and then someone does something on the first or second pitch. Yeah. Uh, all right. We haven't really we didn't really talk about the scoring plays so much. Well, we, I don't think we talked about Cosma, but um, Ben, there there was a lot to talk about, and we talked about a lot. Yeah, we did. All right. Uh, so that's the week. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to to talk about what happens over the weekend. Uh, you can send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash effectively wild. And uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. If you listen to us on iTunes, it will just take a second. And our most recent review talks about how angry you are <laughs> and how you're good, except when you're angry. Uh, so I enjoyed that. Because you really, you really have to learn to control your temper. Um, okay, so have a wonderful weekend, and we will be back on Monday.